Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a lot of confusion in our world today about love. I'm sure that's not a shocking thing for me to say. There's always been confusion about love. Confusion, in fact, about any good thing that comes from God. It does vary a bit from age to age, and each generation comes up with new ways to distort God's good gifts. In our age, I think the prevailing idea about love is that it is often mistaken for a feeling, for a sentiment. And that actually fits with the way that folks tend to think about life altogether nowadays. We live in a time in which feelings really determine reality. How you feel is much more important than how things actually are. That, of course, can only go on for so long, but once this way of thinking has run its course, it will just be replaced by a different confusion. And in the meantime, as I'm sure you well know, there's a lot of harm that can be done. Take marriage, for instance. If love is about feelings and marriage is a bond of love, what happens when feelings change? A bond that's based on feelings is vulnerable, most vulnerable. And so marriages come and go easily. Many young folks nowadays are wary of this reality, and so they're hesitant to get married because they rightly wonder whether they'll feel love till death does them part. Better not to make a lifelong commitment to promise something that we can't even guarantee for tomorrow. It is a tragic state of affairs because marriage is one of God's oldest gifts blessing husbands and wives and children and everyone around them through it. But if love is just feelings, then we really can't hope for anything better than the way things are. And in fact, we really shouldn't even hope for anything better from God. Imagine if God's love toward us was just a sentiment, just a feeling. In fact, that is what the pagan world is inclined to think about God. And so the work of a pagan worshiper, somebody who comes to an idol or sacrifices offerings on an altar, the work of a pagan worshiper is somehow to make God happy, to give him good feelings, to keep him in a good mood. You probably know what that's like. Most folks have someone in their lives whose mood can affect everyone around them. Anybody who's had a toddler knows that when a toddler's mood swings, well, it can be disaster. And you may find yourselves at times tiptoeing around on eggshells trying to keep your toddler in a good mood. And I'm not talking about anybody in particular right now. <laughs> imagine, imagine if God's love toward us was just a feeling. We would have to wonder whether his mood might change. And when we consider our lives and see all that we've done to anger him, we'd have every reason to despair. God would become to us like a ticking time bomb as we just wait for the other shoe to drop. And then this season, the season of Advent, will be more like that time spent waiting for your dad to come home. Maybe you have this recollection you'd done something to get yourself in trouble. And what did your mom say? Just wait till your dad gets home. If love is about feelings, then Advent would be a season of just waiting to see what God's mood is when he arrives. If love is just feelings, maybe we'd be better off without it altogether. 
And when we read the Bible, it's important that we don't think about love in the same way the world does. When the Bible talks about love, it does not mean simply feelings. Sure, there are feelings that go with love, but it is something much, much more. And this is not news to you. Earlier in the epistle to the Romans, just before our epistle lesson today, Paul talked about love in particular. So in our lesson, he gives this laundry list of things that are against love, that are love distorted. And before that, he says this. He says, owe no one anything except to love each other. He says that loving one another, loving one another is the fulfilling of the law. And Jesus has said the same thing. He says the law is captured in these two phrases, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. When Paul and Jesus talk that way, they don't just mean thinking nice thoughts about people. And when Paul says that love is fulfilling the law, he doesn't mean that you've kept the law when you feel warm and happy about someone. I think that is what, what the world tends to think love is. And that is why one of the worst crimes you can commit nowadays is to hurt someone's feelings. You've violated love if you've hurt their feelings. But that's not what the Bible means when it talks about love. And that's not what Advent is about. Just waiting to see how God feels about us on Christmas. So let's get this definition straight. Paul puts it this way. He says, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Or on the flip side, love does good for your neighbor. Love does things. It is not just feelings. It also isn't just words. You probably heard that story about the old curmudgeon whose wife asked him one day, why don't you ever tell me that you love me? And he replied, I already told you once on the day we got married. I'll let you know if it ever changes. Saying I love you once certainly doesn't cut it. But even saying I love you over and over and over again, as long as it's unaccompanied by action, by deeds, well, that's not love either. It's just words. Love does good. It seeks good. It desires what's good for another person. And that is the reason why love is so difficult. Because desiring what's good for someone else means not putting my own good first. It's true, there are times when loving someone also benefits me, when doing good for someone else is also good for me. But the true test of love is when doing what's good for someone else means that I must suffer. That's built into the marriage vows that we hear so often, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, and that's what makes marriage so difficult. Bride and groom promise each other to love, to do good, even when it means their own suffering, even when it means their own loss. That's why love is sacrificial. We call love a sacrifice. Love that isn't sacrificial, that isn't willing to give something or even everything up, that isn't love in the first place. And hopefully you have a sense by now of how incapable we really are of love. We have a hard time giving anything up, much less giving everything up. But that is what the Bible means when it talks about love. And that's why there's enough for a Christian to do his entire life long, just beginning to love the people around him, his, fam his family, his neighbors. You don't have to go looking for heroic deeds world-changing deeds to somehow satisfy Christ, to be a good Christian. You don't need to wonder what it is that God wants you to do with your life. It's right in front of you. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. All of this, all of this talk about love, this is what makes Advent a beautiful and important time of preparation for us. The world is confused about love, and our own hearts are all twisted up about it. Christmas is a great time of expectation for many people. This time of hoping to experience some love, the love of family and friends. But just as wonderful as it can be for folks, it can also be equally devastating when our hopes are disappointed, when the love of others fails us, or when we find ourselves reflecting on our own failure to love. Our sinful nature doesn't just miss the mark on love. It doesn't just come up short in desiring good for someone else, but it does one worse. We desire our own good at the expense of others. Instead of seeking the good of others, we tend to use them for our own good. And that makes Christmas often more bitter than it is sweet. That happens when we think that Christmas is about our love. When we think that the great joy and the best hope for this season is the love shared around the tree or at the dinner table. But that joy and that hope are far surpassed by the joy and hope that come with the birth of Jesus. This is what makes the season of Advent a beautiful time of preparation for us. Because it is a season in which we focus our attention on God's greatest deed of love. Sending his own son to take on human flesh. To be set on a path toward the cross. To suffer and die for our good. For our benefit. For our eternal joy. God doesn't just love us with feelings. He's not fickle and moody. He's not waiting for us to make him happy or give him a reason to love us. He's not waiting for us to keep our end of the bargain. For us to demonstrate our love for him. Or to make sure that somehow he's going to get good feelings out of this relationship. He also doesn't just love us with words. He doesn't say, I love you, just once or even just over and over and over again. He does that. It's true. He speaks to us continually. His word is God's continual voice sounding out, teaching us, speaking to us of his love. He has never stopped speaking to us of his love. He spoke it from the foundations of the world, and he spoke it on the day you were baptized. And he speaks it to you here, in this place, every Sunday. And he speaks it day in and day out as you meditate on the scriptures, as you pray the Lord's Prayer, and you hear of his love from your family and friends. He never stops speaking his love to you. But what makes God so different from you and me is that whatever he says, he also does. And in fact, when God speaks, it happens. Just as when he said, let there be light and there was light, so also, whenever he speaks his love to you, he's not just saying something nice, but he's also doing you good by his word. And here is the good that he does. He loves you by caring for you day after day, by giving you clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, family and all that you have. By defending you against all danger, by guarding and protecting you from all evil. And best of all, he loves you by giving you his son. By giving you the forgiveness of sins in his blood. A gift that makes all the other gifts, all the gifts that we could receive in this world, all worldly gifts, makes them pale in comparison. For not only did he send his son to take on human flesh, to become our brother, to dwell with us, but he sent him to be our king to reign over us, 
to deliver us from the dominion, from the kingdom of darkness, from the rule of Satan. And see what it cost him. See how great his love is for us. He did not come riding into Jerusalem on a horse of a military king, on a war horse. He did not come with an army armed with swords and spears. He did not conquer by might. He did not come in power and great glory because what was required to save us was a sacrifice. To do us good, Jesus would have to suffer. And so he rode into Jerusalem, as the prophet said, humble and mounted on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. And by his humiliation, by his patient and willing submission to suffering and death, by his bloody sacrifice on the cross, by this love that cost him not just something, but everything, he desired your good. He sought your good. He did for you the one thing needed to bless you and give you life. That is a love that is unheard of in this world. It is a love beyond the bounds of our imagination, beyond our experience. It is an unbelievable love. In fact, it requires the Holy Spirit to give us new hearts in order that we might believe it. And that is what makes the season of Advent a beautiful time of preparation for us. Because while the world around us scrambles to experience some crude and disappointing approximation of love, our hearts are set on receiving true love, divine love. While our sinful nature expects love to ebb and flow as it always has, to change with the seasons, to come and go, by faith we have comfort and certainty and a sure hope that nothing Not tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword nor death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor power nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation. Nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Set your hearts this Advent on the joy of receiving his unchanging love and learn from him how to love your neighbors so that they too may learn from you where true joys are found. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. To Christ our King be all glory now and forever. Amen. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.